This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, August 6th, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. She may well be the only candidate on the Democratic side to make such a clear declaration of intent with respect to trade. Still, Elizabeth Warren's trade plans will make it more difficult to get new trade agreements and liberalize trade. What will make new trade deals harder to get? New demands that she would like to see inserted into those agreements and new processes for arriving at those deals. Cato's Dan Eikenson and Simon Lester discussed the trade priorities of Elizabeth Warren. What has Elizabeth Warren said about uh, Donald Trump with respect to trade? Well, I'm not sure that she's directed her comments at Trump as much as she has come down with a checklist of issues that sort of appeal to progressives about trade. Progressives have been skeptical about trade and trade agreements, thinking that they only benefit big multinational corporations and the rich at the expense of working Americans, that they exploit the environment, uh, that labor around the world is exploited because of uh, agreements that are struck based on the input of US and other foreign multinationals. So she's she is trying to uh, harness this dissatisfaction, this discord, uh, and and come up with the plan for making trade agreements with countries that are above average with respect to human rights and labor rights and a variety of other things. And uh, uh, you know, Simon and I, I think have found that there are exactly about zero countries in the world with whom uh, the United States could negotiate a trade agreement uh, under those those conditions. And even the United States wouldn't qualify under her conditions. I guess the theory is if she were present, they would qualify. But yeah, I mean, she's really... I mean, one thing I like about Elizabeth Warren is she, she puts out detailed plans and it gives us something to talk about. The problem is just... I don't think it's a good plan. Um, and so she, yeah, she's putting procedural and substantive conditions on the negotiating of trade agreements that that seem like, you know, if you, you know, we'd have to see how it works in practice, but certainly on paper, it seems like it would make it really difficult to to liberalize trade and to negotiate trade agreements with anyone. So to the extent that Elizabeth Warren believes that she can get better deals than uh, Donald Trump, which of course was a key element of his um uh, candidacy for president, to the extent that she believes she can get better deals, these seem to be along just largely different metrics than just trade itself. Yeah. It, it, she likes to make the point, as do we, that trade agreements are about more than reducing tariffs. They're about a variety of different things nowadays. Uh, and Elizabeth Warren seems to think that that trade has has, has Boded ill for a lot of Americans, particularly lower income Americans. It's, it's boded ill for those interested in the environment. And she wants to uh, impose more regulations and more outcomes in the terms of, of trade agreements. And it just doesn't seem likely that there are very many countries that would even want to uh, initiate trade negotiations with the United States under these conditions. Uh, we, we, Elizabeth Warren and Donald Trump both seem to think that the United States is still the go-to economy and uh, every other government would do backflips uh, and go to extremes in order to negotiate with the United States. But I don't think that's necessarily the case anymore. There's a lot of trade liberalization going on without the United States and uh, you know, most of the growth in the global economy is happening in Asia and uh, we are pretending that this is you know the 1980s and uh, I, I think we need to make ourselves much more appealing to, uh, to to uh, to other governments to negotiate with and recognize that we are not uh, you know the 
most important uh, or as important uh, an economy as we were 30, 40, 50 years ago. Yeah, I'll just add to that. I, I feel like there are a number of uh, academics out there, particularly in the legal field, who are saying things like, well, trade liberalization is not that important anymore. We've already got low tariffs and trade agreements should be about other things. They should be about re uh, raising regulatory standards. And, you know, Elizabeth Warren says things like that. And, you know, you get the sense that her trade negotiations would be about um, – you know, almost exclusively focus on raising labor standards, environmental standards, and human rights standards, and there just wouldn't be this kind of the core of trade agreements of uh, reducing tariffs and other forms of protectionism. And she would just focus on the, the regular regulatory standards exclusively. And whether she could get a deal like that, you know, I think you know Dan and I are both skeptical. Um, but also, it just it takes trade agreements away from their historical you know purpose, and um, it just sort of ignores trade liberalization as a policy goal. So what? Is the substance of her plan? She's got she's got some details about the the process and the substance of trade agreements. So she says, in terms of the process, um, we need to uh, put all draft negotiating texts out there for public comment. For example, we need to uh, bring in um, labor and environmental groups uh, to a greater extent on these trade advisory committees. So she she's got sort of process oriented um, uh, plans, and then she's got a substance substantive one, which is, uh, you know, we we need to uh, we we need to have certain preconditions that a country must meet um, in order to negotiate with them. So um, upholding human rights standards, being part of the, the Paris Climate Agreement, things like that. She also has very specific proposals for additional protectionism. I don't think there's any other way to characterize it. So I, th I think many people are familiar with this idea of a, a non-market economy and um, whether we can impose uh, special tariffs on countries or non-market economies. She wants to add in a similar provision for countries that are, are non-sustainable economies. So if you don't have uh, high enough environmental or, or labor standards, we are going to impose tariffs on you. We don't have all the details of that, but it, you know it's it's explained in general terms like that. So, um, so it's it basically making making. She's got conditions that'll make it harder to sign trade agreements, and she's got additional proposals for just domestic domestic policy protectionism. So I think that's you know that's what we have so far. It's not a sort of comprehensive you know all the details, but she's laid out some of the the, the generalities, and that that's what it looks like. And also, if I might add. Elizabeth Warren is the one of the 22 or so Democratic aspirants for, for president who has actually articulated a plan. Uh, she's given it a lot of thought. Unfortunately, the ideas that she's come up with uh, are problematic. I don't understand why the other 21 or so candidates uh, have have not come up with uh, uh, you know, pro-trade ideas. Uh, they, they're all running away from it. They all consider the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, to be a dirty word. Uh, they, none of them is willing to embrace uh, or recognize the, the the vast benefits that that trade has provided to Americans and, and, and to the world. And uh, you would think with Donald Trump sort of commandeering the Republican Party and taking them to the hard nationalist right, abandoning the center, uh, that there's a lot of representation that is going on. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity for representation here. The the business community doesn't have a champion uh, in either party right now, and so the Democrats should be coming to the center, in my opinion, to uh, recognize that that uh, this you know this is an important part of uh, the U.S. economy and it's an important uh, tradition of the United States. Back in 1934. We had the Reciprocal Trade Agreements Act, which was sort of the first mend to the Smoot-Hawley Tariff Act, which you know per perpetuated this tit-for-tat protectionism. 
it was a Democratic president and a Democratic Congress who said, listen, we need to uh, reverse, uh, you know, make amends for these mistakes. And there's a proud tradition of trade, uh, uh, of free trade and globalization that's uh, embedded in the Democratic Party that went away, you know, in the early 90s when the NAFTA was negotiated. And, uh, you know, the the AFL-CIO started to uh, sort of dominate the, the party's thinking on trade. And uh, I think Democratic lawmakers have been sort of beholden to the AFL-CIO and to environmental interests for the past 25 years. Uh, but they need some uh, heterogeneity uh, in their thinking and they need to start breaking uh, free of these bonds and recognizing that uh, Americans are going to prosper only if we are part of the global economy, not if we seal ourselves off from it. Uh, Scott Lincecum, uh, our colleague, has written about uh, polling with respect to trade. Uh, why isn't that the, the, the fact that Democrats seem to be more pro-trade than uh, they have been in a very long time? Why hasn't that informed any of the uh, uh, Democratic candidates, it seems, on the subject of trade? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, that's that's very noteworthy. There is has been this flip, this flip flop. Uh, those who register as Democrats or uh, ally themselves with the Democratic Party tend to favor free trade and globalization, but the party has not yet. And it must have something to do with uh, you know who's bankrolling uh, the, 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 these politicians. And uh, very few Democrats, I think, want to um, go astray of uh, the AFL CIO's thinking. Which is a bit odd because if you go back to a couple of years ago when we had the vote for trade promotion authority for President Obama, which was seen as a vote that was uh, sort of a proxy for the Trans-Pacific Partnership, uh, we saw 28 Democrats join with Republicans in favor of trade promotion authority against the wishes of the AFL-CIO. The AFL-CIO ran primaries. Uh, primary challenges against uh, uh, 16 of those 28. And 15 of those 16 incumbents prevailed, which suggests to me that the AFL-CIO's uh, stranglehold is not as tight uh, or ne needs to be heated as, as diligently as some uh, Democrats think to be the case. I think that there may also be a feeling among the Democratic candidates that the, these, it, to the extent they've thought about it, that these voters, the Democratic voters' feelings are not that strong. And to the extent that they say uh, we're pro-trade, it's more that they're anti-Trump. And I don't think we know the answer to that. And I think it would be great if if uh, one of the prominent Democrats would take a chance here. I mean, there are some more marginal ones like John Delaney who are like, hey, no, trade is good. Um, but it, I think it would be nice if if one of the more, you know, the top tier candidates would, would you know, take a chance and, and, you know, really go for the, the pro-trade vote um, within the party. I think there are some who have gone a little more to the center. Um, so I, I think one of the safe plays for, for Democrats has been to, to criticize Trump's tariffs. But uh, so like Kamala Harris and Pete Buttigieg have, have both said you know negative things about Trump's tariffs, but they haven't gone further and said, all right, well, here's my trade agenda. You know, here's how I would liberalize. Um, and Harris, at least, has been critical of the TPP and NAFTA. Um, but I, I think it would be nice to say, all right, so, you know, you're against that. You're against those old things. But what are you for? Lay out lay out that vision for us. And I, like I said before, I, I do appreciate Elizabeth Warren laying out her vision. Um, I just don't happen to like that vision. I would like to see another Democrat, you know, you know, be a little bolder and, um, you know, articulate a vision for how U.S. Uh, integration with the world economy would work, what it would look like. 
Dan Eikenson directs the Herbert A. Stiefel Center for Trade Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Simon Lester is a trade policy analyst at Cato. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 